Hey guys, how you doing? This is Tevin coming to you guys today uh, with our, I believe it's our sixth episode of our podcast. Um, I am super excited. Uh, happy Father's Day, man. Uh, yo, I'm about to be in there, dude. I got to, uh, my wife is pregnant. Uh, I, I don't remember the exact amount of months. She's somewhere around maybe f four or five months, maybe. I can't fully remember, to be honest with you. Uh, but I am extremely excited to join a club, man. Um, and I'm pumped, dude. I think I've been, I think the Lord has been preparing me for this for a while now, not only for marriage, you know, but for fatherhood. And I don't have um, any doubts about what type of father I would be. I'm not even nervous at all. Um, I'm extremely excited. I mean, a quick testimony for you guys. Um, I actually saw my wife and my children, um, you know, before we even got married, but I, I saw my kids, uh, I had six kids and, you know, it's four boys, two girls, you know, the ages and stuff were spread out. Uh, but I saw them and I saw how they looked, all that type of stuff. Uh, they were, uh, they were a little bit older when I saw them, like, you know, uh, I think two of them was maybe teenagers, like maybe 13, 14. The other ones was maybe like, 12, you know, 13, 12, 9, 10. They was around that age the boys was, uh, from what I remember. Um, but man, I remember waking up crying when the Lord had shown me that dream and it felt so real. Um, I even saw myself, I was, <laughs> I was older and I didn't even have dreads and I was relatively skinny. It was a very odd thing. I had like a gray beard, like with the little salt and pepper, you know, streaks in it. Wait a minute. Yeah, with the little uh, salt and pepper streaks in it, you know, uh, just kind of giving it that little that old spice, you know. But uh, man, I I so going into fatherhood and, and you know going into marriage. Wait, I feel like I'm getting some feedback. Wait a minute. Oh snap! That's just birds chirping outside. I'm tripping. Uh, yeah, that's a beautiful sight. But yeah, uh, just kind of going into fatherhood and going into marriage, man. I was. Um, extremely excited, but I also felt prepared, equipped. Um, and even when I think about my, my kids and different types of stuff that's coming into this world, or our kids really, uh, <laughs> but I'm, man, I'm excited, dude. I'm pumped. Uh, so happy Father's Day, dude. It's getting real out here, man. Uh, you know, one thing I can say that I see that is very different, and I know the we don't have as many masculine men in this generation. Um, and I just do, I think that's just due to the male emasculation and the, this, you know, huge feminist movement, um, that's going on. But I can't say this. I grew up in a world or in a community to where fathers wasn't necessarily, um, always active in their, in their kids' lives. And not only that, not only not active, but you know, it wasn't like, you know, some kids didn't even know who their dad was. You know, some of their kids, you know, some dads live right up the street or, you know, they wasn't that far away, but they rarely ever um, talked to their kids, rarely ever spent time with them. Um, it, it just, you know, that's I'm not I can't speak for everybody, but I, you know, I was born and raised in Miami and Miami, Florida. And, you know, my world and my experience in that was very different than most. Um, I even experienced that growing up, too, as well. So. You know, it was a lot of times, a lot of football coaches and just different type of other men that had to, you know, somewhat take on those responsibilities of helping a child to be able to have somewhat of a manly father figure in his life. 
Uh, but in this generation, man, it seems to me that dads are a lot more active in their children's life than how it was when I grew up, which to me, it's actually really good. They may not be the best fathers um, or the best influences, probably not the most mature. Uh, but I, I have, you know, I've been seeing like nowadays that a lot of dads are actually a lot more dads seem to be there. Um, and I can't really go fully based off a of personal experience. Um, I could probably just go off of, you know, social media, different type of stuff. Uh, but also personal experience too, as well. It just seems to me like, you know, like, man, the, you know, these dads, they seem to, uh, and now in today's times, uh, you know, especially with this newer generation, they seem to really, you know, want to be in their kid's life and to really care. Um, and I didn't see that much growing up, especially with the community that I lived in. Most of the people that I lived around uh, and almost in my whole neighborhood, it was mostly just a lot of houses with, um, you know, single parent moms or uh, women, I mean, children who had stepfathers. But their real dad was like somewhere else and they like rarely ever saw him, you know. Some of them, you know, barely didn't even know him, really. So um, that's really good to see. Man, this news, dude, uh, it came out on Tuesday. The report came out on Tuesday. Um, now, I don't I don't I don't mind the article. This is this just so you guys know, it's talking about the Southern Baptist Convention. It says that the uh, rally urges church leaders to do more to prevent abuse, uh, talking about sexual abuse. Um, you know, this this mostly seems more like a Catholic church type of stuff. But I do know that this happens in the church. I'm not going to act ignorant of it and I'm not going to you know act like it doesn't happen. It's unfortunate. Um, it talks to some Memphis church. Uh, interesting. One of my friends is from Memphis. Um, um, but, yeah, it's a Memphis church. And. uh Oh yeah. Okay. It's a Memphis church and it's unfortunate uh, that this happened. This young lady, she was taken advantage of. So she was sexually, it says that she was sexually abused um, um, while she was in a youth ministry by a youth pastor. And uh, it, it's very unfortunate that this happened, but you know, uh, you know, the stuff like this does happen sometimes in churches and it, and it, the very scary part about it, because she was saying not, not only was the trauma, because of the event, I think she said another youth pastor um, uh, sexually abused her too, uh, but he just didn't come out and, you know, talk about it. Or he just haven't been responding to her. But, you know, one of the things that she said that was traumatic was not only the fact that it was the, you know, the sexual abuse, but it's also the fact of, you know, these are people that you trust, that you love, that you care for, and that you build up a certain level of trust for them because, you know, you see them as leaders as pastors and, you know, people that's leading over you. And it's kind of unfortunate that that happened. Um, and they did say that the man, you know, after the man came out and confessed um, about the incident and what had been done, um, they said that the man um, uh, stood up and started. Uh, I mean, they said that people, you know, applauded for him, you know, for coming out and talking about it and confessing or whatever like that. And, um, I don't really mind that response because, you know, my mindset, uh, I do believe that Christ can forgive anybody of anything, regardless of any type of heinous crime that you do. And, you know, I know some Christians have a bias based off of sins that touch a little bit closer towards home or sins that are just a little bit more vile. But to be honest with you, we really do have to walk in the same forgiveness 
and love that Christ had did for us, you know, because um, all of us have done some things that has been deplorable in the sight of God. And because of that, all of us are in the same box, um, regardless of how heinous our acts are. And it's kind of unfortunate when some people do more heinous acts than others. Uh, but we still have to come to a place of forgiveness and restitution for them, but also restoring them. But, you know, with this person who did this and because he was leading in ministry and, you know, considered to be a Christian at the time, um, I think it's best that, you know, I think it's wisest that he's not somebody that's serving in ministry in a leadership capacity. Uh, you know, I mean, I know it's a mistake, something that happened. Uh, but, you know, you really kind of somewhat in the church, you have to draw those lines. And, you know, if he wants to be a pastor or a leader and all that different type of stuff, uh, that's something that you really have to take into account. And you probably have to tell him like, hey, man, you know, for the rest of your life, you may just have to serve basic Christianity. Uh, but we we really can't uh, put you into this position again uh, because of how it was mishandled. And um, I'm pretty sure that this guy was young because they said it happened about 20 years ago. Uh, but it's very unfortunate, um, that the event even took place. And then that the lady, you know, you know, Tony, cause that can do, that can breed a lot of church hurt and a lot of, um, uh, different mindsets, especially in the mind of a teenager who's still growing in the, uh, we youth years of her walk with Christ. Um, that can breed a lot of insecurities about God about church, about Christians. Um, she probably had a problem even trusting Christian men uh, because of the incident. So um, it's very unfortunate, man. It sucks. Uh, but we could just, we pray that God's uh, grace uh, takes place in the midst of the situation. Now, dude, one thing that I saw that it was a quote, this kind of threw me off, man. Uh, they was talking about the, the, the demands that the rally, they was at a rally. So it says rally organizers had three demands of the SBC or the Southern Baptist convention. And one of the things that they said, um, which I, I partly agree with, but then I don't agree with their, I don't agree with the premise or the conclusion that they came to. And I felt like it was a somewhat feministic, feministically charged, um, and you got to really watch out for this stuff because this stuff can really uh, tarnish the the not the function not yeah this stuff can really tarnish the the usability and function functionality of the church when we start to introduce modern day feminism and this somewhat of a degrading of the the position and the authority of men in the church um, and it says uh, it says one of the, the this was the second point it says. Uh, one of the demands is that women be respected. Of course, we know that's right. It says women aren't always treated with respect in the Southern Baptist convention. Uh, I don't really know. I'm not a Southern Baptist convention, so I don't, I'm not really sure, um, how women are treated in that convention. Um, uh, but I have, uh, talked to people in the SBC and I have listened to people in the SBC. I don't think I've really gotten the vibe to where they just, you know, that is just a community of people that just go around just disrespecting people. They seem like genuine loving Christians to me on a general sense, uh, said rally organizer uh, Ashley Easter. You know, she's the one who organized the rally. She said abuse is about power and control. When women are constantly put under the power and control of men, 
of course abuse is going to happen see this <laughs> this the type of stuff that i'm like yo you can't these are the type of conclusions that are feministic in their nature uh if women are in the church and they're not necessarily being respected inside of the body of christ it has nothing to do with power and control of men i mean it has everything to do with sin it's because there are people who are not walking in the divine calling of the fruits of the spirit that god has called them to walk in and therefore they may mistreat women but it's not because it says when women are constantly put under the power and control of men of course abuse is going to happen that's not true i mean if you look at the new testament church and the apostles those women in those churches they were put under the power and control of men hypothetically speaking if we would use that type of language they were put under the power and the control of men i highly doubt that the apostles and the early church uh that they were going on with uh you know sexual abuse of teenagers and different type of stuff you get them coming from there was things that happened that were happening outside of the doors of the church, uh, but it had nothing to do with any type of power or control. Um, so, I mean, that that type of mindset to me uh, is really dangerous to start introducing into the body of Christ. And I believe that whoever made this statement, uh, well, actually, Easter is the one who made the statement. I believe that uh, this was <laughs> this rally or this these things which she probably did care about what happened to this lady i believe that it was somewhat used as an opportunity to try to degrade the authority in the role that god has called men to walk in in the body of christ and we can't take that extra step um you don't slam all men uh that are in authority um you just simply say that hey man this person was dealing with sin uh this person was dealing with transgression their heart wasn't fully submitted to god in his way and they made the wrong decision. They made a mistake. They made the wrong choice. And God, of course, is going to hold them accountable to that. Uh, but we don't go on and just start attacking the whole the whole council of God's church and how he organized things to be. Uh, so I just wanted to uh, toss that out, that news story, because that was very interesting to me, especially the that route that because I wasn't expecting that route when I was reading the article. I wasn't expecting that route to be taken. Um, I thought it would be more so a place, you know, more so think of prayer and restitution and forgiveness. Um, and then also to as well as right and sound biblical counseling on how to avoid these matters in the future. Now, one thing I want to say to wrap this up, churches all over may be very wise about who you allow in leadership. Um, you have to really vex people's lives, man. Uh, I know most churches really believe that hey, because somebody has a seminary degree that they are qualified to lead a ministry, but no, they are not. Seminary degrees are, they're not bad. I plan to go to a seminary and, you know, get a degree in uh, divinity, different type of, you know, that type of stuff. But that stuff is not a qualifier for serving in a leadership capacity in ministry. That is a degree given by man to acknowledge the fact that you know knowledge about God or about the Bible or about historical Christianity. It is not meant to say that you are called to be a pastor, that you're called to be a preacher. Um, and it's, it should not be used for that. And I know a lot of churches nowadays that they really harp on the fact of people having these degrees and going to certain type of divinity schools, because it really does matter the school you go to. Uh, but they, they really harp on the fact of these people having all these degrees and this different type of stuff. But dude, that means nothing in the eyes of God. The people that God called 
the people that God called the ministers, they didn't have no degrees and they were effective in the ministry that they was doing with the Holy Spirit alone and the word alone. And that's all that you need, dude. You know, so um, if you're a Christian, you love the Lord, you know that God has called you to lead and to serve um, through leadership and to pastor and to preach and all that type of stuff like that, then you do it. But it ha don't be feeling pressured to try to go out and get a seminary degree. I mean, it's really there. It's, it's really there as a credentials that you have learned certain things and that you have a foundational knowledge about certain biblical topics. And I do believe that is also there too as well, because it helps to challenge you on your thinking. Uh, but you can do that at home, man. Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, I feel like I've been in seminary school since I became a Christian. Uh, and that's been, uh, you know, since I was 16. So probably about 10 years, I felt like I legit have been in seminary school, challenging my beliefs and vexing them through the scripture and through the opinions of other people. Um, so just keep that in mind, churches, man. Don't don't hire people because they got a degree. Uh, don't hire people because they got a Ph.D. or a master's. That stuff means nothing to God, man. You need to hire people who have a heart of holiness, purity, that they're all about serving God. Um, and that they that their mind and their heart is totally bent over to serving God in that capacity that he has called them to work in. Um, and a lot of times with people in these degrees, man, that's when you start to find people having crazy problems. Um, people have burnout uh, it's because they wasn't called to do what they're doing. So they get burnt out and they get tired. And, you know, it's a whole bunch of crazy stuff that comes along with it. And it's because they're doing something in the power of their mind, not in the power of their heart through the Holy Spirit. Um so, yes, I did want to toss that out there just so that you guys, I just think that that's just relevant, relevant about being wise who you who you uh, hire um, and not because people look charismatic. And when I say charismatic, I'm not going to talk about in Belize, but charismatic as in they look like a person who has charisma. Um, that's not a means to hire somebody for ministry, dude, because uh, all types of crazy stuff can happen from that. Uh, so uh, happy Father's Day, man. You talk about good fathers and um i'm not going to be going to the scripture and stuff on this i'm make it very uh brief uh but man i truly believe that a good father changes everything um i believe that a good father is the hero of his home uh a good father and a good husband is the hero of his home the reason why so many homes are broken today and so many Homes are struggling. Um, you have kids and adults dealing with depression. Um, even men dealing with depression. Men are depressed nowadays. Women depressed nowadays. Teenagers depressed. Kids depressed. I mean, everybody just depressed. But when you have a solid father in a home that is a gatekeeper spiritually and physically and protector and a priest over his home, he is the one that does not allow anything just to come in and just to happen. And because of that, and I'm not talking about a physical violence, brute force. You need to have a couple of shotguns in the back. I'm talking about, no, like as a father, like, dude, you need to be praying and turmoiling for your home. You need to be counseling your wife on the word and also counseling your children on the word, leading them and instructing them in the way of Christ. And that's something that has to first and foremost come from you and your personal devotion unto God. You know, and coming into, uh, f you know, myself coming into fatherhood, you know, a lot of parents I've seen this and I've, I've, I had the luxury of being around, you know, fathers and parents and people that I respect, you know, through in spurts throughout my life. 
and I grab away the good things that are good, but I throw away the stuff that's bad. You get them coming from, but I have, you know, parents, you have to realize your child, when he comes into this world, he comes into this world with an empty slate. And the only thing that you, not an empty slate though, there's one thing that he does have. And that is he's one, he's made in the image of God, but he's also born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Your job and your duty by before your child leaves the house is to unshapen them and from sin and to shape them into holiness, to shape them into purity and to shape them after God's way. That is your job. And because your child is coming into this world and they are learning everything from you, they don't know how to do that. You know, it's a, a lot of times parents, while letting their child's personality to grow, they try to allow a kid to make decisions for themselves and to raise themselves and like, oh, what do you want? How do you want to do this? And is that something that you, how you feeling? You And it's not wrong to be in touch with your child to see how they're feeling, but it should never go to a point to where you allow your child to make a decision for himself. And you know that there's a wiser or a better way to do things. I mean, dude, your child has no experience navigating earth. And not only that, he doesn't have the proper wisdom, scriptural and biblical wisdom to navigate this world. That's why it's your duty to protect, to keep and to cultivate him after the way that you know that God has called all believers and all people to be. And that's your job, especially as a father. And that means that sometimes you won't, you can't allow certain things to take place. You can't allow your child to watch certain things. You can't allow your child to listen to certain stuff. It's not going to happen. You know, I even think about myself like. I, you know, I used to hear, especially when I first got saved, man, I used to hear parents say this all the time. They used to always say, um, man, you know, I don't know what happened to him. I don't know how he got this way. Like, you know, what what's going on with him? He's different. And, you know, I used to always want to say like, dude, do you not know who your child is around on a day-to-day basis? And do you not know what he is watching or she is watching on a day-to-day basis? I mean, dude, bad company corrupts good character. If your child is listening to worldly and foul music and stuff that is clearly against God, if they are watching worldly and foul movies, I mean, cause you know, and it's nothing, it's nothing against my upraising, but because I wasn't really raised as a, like a devout, holy Christian, um, you know, throughout my childhood, you know, in our home, you know, we used to watch and listen to pretty much everything that adults watched and listened to. And as a child, it really did mess my mind up, you know, coming into adulthood because I dealt with a lot of vexations that I didn't really understand where they were coming from. But then I realized like, wait a minute, dude, this stuff was literally programmed in me since I can remember, you know, it was just normal for me, you know, but when you think about what your child, you know, your child, you have to think about, dude, they are in a school. You don't know what other kids there, what t- type of teachers there. They are watching TV and you probably don't even know what they watching. They got cell phones and you don't know what they're looking at on their phones. You know, they have all access to worlds that you do not have access to or knowledge of. And you are not ingrained or enveloped in those worlds. There is by no means that you should be confused about why your child's character has taken a turn for the worse and why your child is thinking the way that they are thinking. The reason is, is because other people are raising your child more than you are. I mean, if you think about it from this perspective, 
if you if your child is in if you get off work at what five five o'clock let's say five o'clock roughly and your child is in school all the way up until about four o'clock right they go play sports they get out of sports type stuff around maybe six o'clock and y'all at home for about four hours before everybody goes to sleep you guys have dinner together um, and I'm pretty sure most families, people not spend those four hours together. The child is probably playing video games. Uh, they're probably hanging out with their friends or they probably want to go outside, just do kid type of stuff. You know, you're really only spending quality three to four hours a day with your child max three. And that's if that's quality time. So when you really start to question whether or not, you know, where your child is going to and what he's dealing with, it's probably because your children are having more influence from outside sources than he is from their father inside of their own homes and from their mother inside of their own homes. So as a father, it's your duty to be able to, to filter the world through, through filter the world to your child, which means if your child is going to be introduced to something worldly, it needs to be introduced from you and the wisdom of God. It don't need to be introduced by worldly people. The worldly, the world does not know how to give information to Christian children in such a way that can help them grow in holiness and cultivation unto God. You can't, they can't do it. And that's why we are not wise when we allow worldly people to cultivate and to teach our children how to respond to worldly and uh, carnal things. So, I mean, as a father, and I'm, I'm saying this as a means of encouragement, as a father do, it, you have to come to a point to where you really take authority over your home and you have to be willing to say no, even when times when it's hard and you have to be willing to say yes, um, even when times when it's hard. But those are the sacrifices that you have to make. And I'm not saying that this is on your back, all on your back, because your wife uh, is there as a helper uh, suitable for you, which is what God said. And because of this, you can also lean on your wife too as well to help you in those situations and times that you are weak. But as a father, man, you have to be able to hold the ground. You know, and, you know, I used to ask myself, man, like I'm thinking about the excitement that I have with my children coming into the world and also too, as well, like I want my children to be utterly safe. Um, I don't want them to have to worry about anything. I don't want them to have to just be fearful and all that type of stuff. Like I am really going to protect and to preach them. Like that's my mindset. And, you know, I used to ask myself a lot, man, I'm like, you know, how can like how can, you know, some dads be so passive towards their children? Like, you know, your child is away from you for like two, three weeks. You know, she in the house, you know, your, your children in the house with a, with a woman and uh, with their mom. I say one, but with their mom um, and it's not an insult to the moms or whatever, but anything can happen and you not be there to protect them. You get them coming from like that doesn't like just sit on your mind. You get them coming from. Like your child could be in school and somebody can to somebody can um, inappropriately say something to them or inappropriately uh, touch them or, in, you know, in assault them or whatever it may be. And as a father, like you wouldn't be able to have access to that or to really know what's going on. Like somebody have to call you on the phone and be like, hey, man, uh, did such and such happen? And then you come in their way after the fact. When really, if you were there, you could have helped to prevent it a lot of those situations. And I used to always ask myself, like, man, like, how can dads be okay with being so passive in their children's lives? Like, I'm not insulting, I'm not insulting dads because I feel like if I was worldly, 
I would probably be the same way. I don't know. But I'm kind of thinking from my perspective now, like, I just don't know how, like, fathers can, like, just be comfortable sleeping and existing, knowing that their children are in the world without their protection, you know? And it's just like, dude, there's just, there's got to be a sense of pride and masculinity inside of a man to be like, yo, I'm going to take the stand and protect my home regardless, no matter what. And I'm not only talking about protecting your home physically, but I'm talking about protecting your home spiritually. Like, dude, as men, you are the gatekeeper to your house. And the things that you allow to exist and to go in your home will exist and go on in your home. So you can't live in a sense of passivity because other people are telling you what to do or because the children is like, no, we don't want to do this. Like, dude, you are the father. You set the standard. You set this tone of the direction and the pace that the family is supposed to walk at. And if you're not there and if you're not active and if you're not seeking the Lord daily on how you can do that and better cultivate your children, then who's going to do it and how will it ever happen? You know, and that's the reason why I mentioned depression earlier is because a lot of people that are depressed now is because bad fatherhood. They didn't have dads to tell them that, hey, daughter, you're beautiful. So they will go to the world and they're going to see it. It's called affectation. They'll go to the world and they're going to seek affectation and praise. And they want people to affirm them and to accept them. And they'll do anything for it. And it's because their fathers didn't properly teach them and care for them and tell them who they were. He didn't solidify their identity. Even with the sons, you have a lot of men nowadays that they're very insecure. A lot of men are very feeble uh, mentally and just in their heart feeble. Uh, but then also too, as well, they just don't have a sense of fortitude and backbone. And it's because their dad wasn't there to establish that in them. So it was hard for them to deal with adversity. It was hard for them to deal with hardships. Um, and even nowadays, uh, you know, a lot more men nowadays are very emotional, uh, very emotional. Um, and it's probably because they had, they didn't have a strong father to teach them like how to endure hardships, how to endure trials and tribulations, and also how to lead their home and lead their family in the midst of that. And I'm not talking about you be so macho to the point to where like you don't feel anything. Y'all, I'm gonna keep it 100 with you. My my wife have seen me cry several times, uh, probably about uh, three to four times I can remember. Uh, and of course they were manly cries, maybe except for one of them. One of them definitely wasn't a manly cry. We still laugh about it to this day. Uh, but of course, it wasn't over, you know, trials, tribulations, but it was just simply like a cry of either joy and in, 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 uh, joy in the Lord. But it was also sometimes a cry of hurt and a cry of compassion. But my wife has seen me cry, but that doesn't mean that I'm just e an emotional person that's tossed about with every single type of wind. Uh, so what I'm talking about is that as a father, you need to be the one in the family that's planted firmly on a rock, even when no one else is. Even when no one else is, that's your job. That's your duty. You know, dude, I heard, <laughs> I, I watched the Godfather series a while ago. Um, and one of the quotes that I heard that blew me away. Um, and it, it was just good storytelling, but it was a, it's an older movie and I watched it a while ago, you know, so, but one of the quotes that I love that Don Corleone, I mean, v, Vito Corleone says to, well, I think it's done actually, whatever. But he says to his, um, his son, as he's passing the mantle on to his son, 
he tells them, he says, women and children can be careless, but men, they can't be careless. And I was like, yo, my, uh, my wife, I was like, yo, what? And when I heard the state, I was like, man, that's fire, dude. But really, I mean, it really like men can't be careless, dude. Uh, even when you think about Adam and Eve in the garden, and let's take a look at that. The God told Adam, like, you know, don't eat at this tree, right? Satan went to Eve and he still does that nowadays. You know, of course, Satan wants to attack the weaker vessel. The Bible makes it clear that the woman is the weaker vessel. Um, also that she was made for man. And because of that, the enemy is going to, of course, he's going to attack the woman first before he attacks the man. Now, if he can attack the man first, then that's fine. He's probably going to take that route. But um, if you can't really get to the man, you're going to attack the woman first. And then you allow the woman to attack the man. You feel that she can have more influence over him. So that's exactly what Satan did. When we think about original sin, Satan did this to perfect people which means people who didn't have sin or knew they didn't know sin at all. If this is the way that he got perfect people to fall into temptation and to fall into sin, that is something that he's probably still going to use to this day, to this day. That was his first trick. And I'm pretty sure he's still using it. And we see it very rampant in our culture. So when you think about it, man, uh, Satan beguiled Eve and he deceived her. And told her to eat of the fruit. And then it says that she gave to her husband, Adam, who was with her. But she was still deceived by the serpent. But she gave to her husband, Adam, who was with her. But it's so interesting because God came to Adam. He didn't go to Eve. He came to Adam. He says, why didn't you tell your wife not to do it? Pretty much, I'm paraphrasing, but like literally, why didn't you tell your wife not to do it? Even though Eve was the one who was deceived and who ate of the fruit, God still held Adam accountable because he was there. He saw what was happening, but he did not uh, properly instruct or counsel his wife on a proper direction and a way to go. And as a man, it is your duty to say, hey, I understand how you're feeling. I understand that you see it as good to be wise, but sweetheart, we still got to obey the Lord in this. It's your job to set the standard to be the priest, the protector of your home. And if you don't do that, you are literally going to be allowing all types of woes and attacks of the enemy. And they're going to attack your wife. They're going to attack your children. And it's going to all be happening under your nose and you won't even know what's going on. So like it's, I, when I say this, I'm saying this with the heart of true sincerity, uh, that fathers begin to take up the mantle, man, and take, Take biblical, I'm talking about biblical pride. I'm not talking about pride and arrogancy, but I'm talking about like, I believe that God has equipped men with certain type of authoritative qualities so that they can demand the uh, leadership. Uh, I mean, they could demand the submissiveness of their wife and their children. And that also too, as well, that their wives and their children can see them as leaders and to see them as heads. Um, and because of this, because of this, when you walk in your divine biblical role and divine biblical calling, your children will respect you. Your wife, they will respect you. And if it doesn't happen immediately, it will happen eventually. But you have to be able to set the standard and you have to be able to set the quality of living in your home. And that goes for everybody. If your child does something that's that's questionable or out of the way and they come and talk to you about it, you know, you need to let your child know, like, Hey, son, I understand how you were feeling. I understand it upset you. 
but this is the way that God would have us to do things. This is how we, this is how we live in this house. So other people may do it this way, but this is how we do it. And if your child doesn't get it the first time, it's very okay to discipline them. But you do that and you continuously to instill that in them so that they can truly understand how they're supposed to be cultivated and grown in life. Now, I'm going to end it off with this. Uh, think about, I want you guys to really think about something. Think about how God is to us as fathers. He's a good father. He is the goodest father. And that's not a word, but, you know, he's the greatest father. I guess that'll work better. But think about how God is to us. The Bible says that he chastens those whom he loves. And a lot of times when you are chastening, it doesn't feel the best. It doesn't feel good when God is instructing you on your sin and instructing you on how to be holy in the midst of it. It doesn't always feel the best to see who you are. And it doesn't always feel the best to be chastened for the weaknesses that you have so that they can become strengths. But because God is a good father, he does this because he loves us and because he cares for us and he does not relent. Do you know there are sometimes where believers can run from God, but God's still chasing them. There's sometimes where believers can say, man, I don't want to do this, but God's still pushing them to do it. And there's sometimes where believers will all just all out, just like, I don't want to hear no sound counsel. I don't want to hear no Bible. I don't want to hear no wisdom or nothing. Now, if you like that, you probably ain't saved. I'm going to keep it 100. But if you, if you are that person, you have to realize that God is a good father and he cares about you. And if he is all about bringing you into your divine purpose, uh, that he has for you and to have you walk in the fullness and the holiness, um, of that relationship, he's going to cultivate you as a powder does clay. And sometimes when you're on that clay wood, you got to be broken down and you got to be molded and you got to be a little bit of heat and some fire got to touch you, but he's trying to mold you into the perfect vessel. It's the same thing with fathers and their children. Everything, everything with your child needs to be done with intentionality. Everything. I mean, everything. And I don't believe that you could just take a back seat to raising your children and just let themselves or let other people make those decisions for them. There is a time where your child can come to start making decisions, but it's after you have cultivated and grown them fully in the ways of the Lord that you can trust that they can go out in this world and exist as believers found it on a rock and be, be, be able to impact the world instead of the worldliness and the carnalness, carnalness impacting or changing them. So I leave you with uh, these encouraging words. Uh, do be a good father, man. Uh, truly give your all to your children. Give them everything that you have. And I promise you a lot of these dads out here who's not active in their children life and spending time with their children and they keep telling them, hey, I'm going to send you some money and I'm going to send you some, you know, some this, bruh. Your child does not care about your money. When they come into this world, they don't know how much money in your bank account, but they know when they hear your voice, they know when you say, I love you. And that's what your child cares about the most. So don't be so concerned about working so much and working so hard and spending 10 to 12 hours at work and always talking about getting this and getting that for them. And like, dude, they don't care about that. They just want to spend time with their dad and they need the affirmation, the love, and encouragement of their father. And you need to tell your child every single day how much you love them. You need to tell them how beautiful they are every single day. You need to tell them how handsome they are every single day. 
and you need to tell them that they are leaders and affirm them in the Lord, encourage them and edify them every single day. You give them hugs, kisses, all of that. And I promise you, when your child grows into the world and as an adult, and they were trained up in the way that they should go. You don't have to worry about them dealing with any type of crazy insecurities because they're going to be planted on the firm rock. And of course, that firm rock is Jesus and them being raised by a good father. So forget all the it's not about the money. And I, I want to say that it's about time that's spent with your children. And that's what they care about the most. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is Test for Christ. And our next broadcast, um, I haven't told you guys, but our next podcast broadcast, we're going to be um, interviewing um, and getting a testimony from my friend Sam. So I'm very excited, man. I'm pumped. Um, he's been through some rocky roads, some ups and downs, but God has kept him through it, through it all. And of course, when I when I do these testimonies and podcasts with people um, and I have them come up and tell their stuff, I'm not looking for people who are perfect and I'm not looking for people who have truly solidified every area of the walk. I'm just looking for people who who I know for a fact love Jesus, that they know Jesus. They still dealing with stuff, but Christ has for sure saved them. And and in that, I believe that it can be more of a testimony because it could just relate to just the everyday type of people that we encounter. Now, if I do get some people up here who's just old and there's just a lot of vexations that they just don't deal with anymore, that's all the more better because to me, it's more of a testimony when we can say that Christ has freed you from something as opposed to something that you're still dealing with. So uh, praise God for that. But thank you guys for tuning in. Hope that you guys enjoy. Make sure that you guys uh, subscribe. Um, and if you want to become a patron, uh, there's the links um, under the podcast or um, in the podcast. You should be able to see it up there on Anchor um, that you can be able to become a patron of the podcast if you want. Thank you guys and deuces. Oh, oh, oh.